0: Welcome into the Locked on Knicks podcast, an opening night thriller ends on a sour note. New York Falls 108 to 104 to the Boston Celtics on their own floor. Brilliant performances from Emmanuel Quickly and RJ Barrett ways to Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle don't show up on opening night and the entire Knicks team forgot to practice their free throws over the summer. We get into all that and much more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on, Knicks. and this episode is brought to you by Price Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash NBA and use code all lowercase NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. And I want to thank you for making On Nicks your first listen today and every day because that would make you well on your way to becoming an everydayer. And if you could do so after a terrible loss like this, why not go ahead and listen every day? If you want to do that, be sure to subscribe on YouTube and hit that notifications bell so you never miss an episode. And be sure to do the same on your favorite audio podcast platform of choice. And then we now offer a new feature. If you want to take your relationship with us to the next level, you can subscribe to our subtext. All you have to do is hit the link in the episode description, and you would have gotten post-game thoughts from us tonight before we even recorded the podcast. And we could have talked. We could have an interaction. We could have comforted each other in these dark times. But alas, you missed out on that opportunity. Don't do so again. Be sure to subscribe on subtext. He's Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland, the greatest Dix website in the whole wide world. I'm Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster. Favorite play-by-play broadcaster, and oh man, Alex did that hurt. It didn't hurt because the Knicks uh, played terribly. They played terribly in some ways. They also played incredibly in some ways, um, and, and that was true for Emmanuel quickly over everyone else. But the Knicks fall one hundred eight to one hundred four. So we probably have to start with why that happened.
1: Yeah. So it was it was tough. You know, I I think well. So first of all, I will give them props in one regard, and that is. And I guess it's, it's sort of a backhanded compliment. But I kept thinking to myself, they should be getting waxed right now. Like, you know, you would think you should be looking at the score and they should be down 20. And yet they kept it in low double digits for pretty much the entire game. I think the largest lead was 12 by Boston at any given time. And the Knicks did manage to just kind of scrap their way into... Being involved in this game, they survived an early barrage from Kristaps Porzingis. They unfortunately did not survive the late barrage from Kristaps Porzingis, but, you know, he had 15 points in the first quarter, and, like, it could have easily turned into a, a blowout, you know, an embarrassment on the first night, and the Knicks did manage to keep fighting back. However, I mean, this has got to be the first thing to me, you know, for all the good that they did, and, like, we'll get to that in a little bit. You know, like, I think that their defense looked as crisp as it's ever looked, and that's got to be the, the biggest ring endorsement for the continuity that they're striving for this year uh, compared to other years. So like, that was great. Uh, You know, RJ and quickly were really good, you know, all, all kinds of good stuff, but the free throws, man, like what, why, why is this always an issue with this team? Like, I don't know what it is with the Knicks. They can have a bunch of guys that in theory should be good free throw shooters. Like Emmanuel quickly is, you know, has shot around like 90% for most of his career from the free throw line. Jalen Brunson last year for large stretch of the season was shooting for uh, shooting around 90%. Like, I know that RJ and and Julius Randle have had their struggles and obviously like Mitchell Robinson and, you know, the centers, you can't ever really count on too much uh, from the line. But Mitch only took two free throws in this game. Hartenstein only took two free throws in this game. And yet the Knicks still as a team went 14 of 26. I mean, they left 12 points on the board. And even if they had only gotten six of those, they would have won the game. I mean, it's just like, it's terrible. You know, I don't understand what it is with this team that they can't just find a way to shoot anything close to like a, a league average ish, like 70% on a nightly basis. And that they have these nights where they just shoot like 50%. Uh, But it, unfortunately just one of those problems that apparently this year is just not going to go away at least if this if this first game is any indication which you would think that right now would be when they'd be the freshest on free throws considering they've hopefully shot like 20,000 of them each all summer uh but maybe should shoot another 20,000 between now and the next game
0: <laughs> yeah the, the the worst part was I don't know about you I like I anticipated that they weren't going in down the yeah. stretch of the game like when Julius Randle got to line late I I I, I, I didn't have any confidence he would go two for two. I, I wasn't even shocked when Jalen Brunson missed the technical. Like I could almost, like, I maybe blame myself. Like I'm, I'm manifesting this on the court because I could see Jalen Brunson be like, oh, like I can't believe I missed that. Quinn Grimes, like, when he got fouled on the three point play, the Knicks have missed out on more four point plays than any team in NBA history in just like the last year and a half. They never finished four point plays. And I thought that was such a, like, they went up 99, 93. It could have been a hundred to 93. Like that was just another key moment to like further lock in momentum, further cement that lead. And they just couldn't do it. The other, the the big picture issue in this one, obviously beyond the free throw shooting was just the fact that their, their two stars didn't show up. Jalen Brunson and Julius Randall started this game. a combined. Um, it was two for 17 from the field. Then they were five for 25. Ultimately, quote-unquote rebounded, Alex, to finish 11 for 43 um, for the game. There were moments like Julius Randle hit a big three late in the fourth quarter to answer a Chris Porzingius porzingis three. Jalen Brunson hit one really nice open three in the fourth quarter. But down the stretch of this game, you, you just had no confidence in either of the next two stars. And honestly, I thought it would have been justifiable for Tom Thibodeau to go with someone else down the stretch of this game. Like If, if he had had R.J. Barrett in there for Jalen Brunson, that would have been okay. If he had had Josh Hart for Julius Randle, I would have been fine for that. And I know Brunson has like I mean, after coming off that Miami series, like you want him out there no matter what in clutch situations. But man, I I just I didn't have, especially when he missed that late layup after toasting Chris Steps Porzingis. I I it just was not his night for whatever reason.
1: Yeah, something was off for both of them because they were both missing opportunities that they hit plenty of times last year. I mean, Julius was missing putbacks off of offensive rebounds. Like there was one. Possession in particular, where he just—I think he missed like three in a row—and I was just like, "What is going on, dude?" Like it like you know, right was at the like of the game too. Yeah, like that was automatic for you last year. Like that was one of your pet things: was like crash in, get that rebound, go up strong, finish. And he just couldn't find it. But not only that, he couldn't even find it on more straightforward layups. You know, like ones where he was able to get all the way to the cup and then just couldn't do anything with it. Uh, same goes for Brunson, though. Unfortunately, and the the big thing for him that wasn't going down was that floater. Uh, maybe this is the byproduct you know maybe this is Tibbs's I told you so moment where it's like well you know I barely got to play him in the preseason because you guys said I couldn't because you know it's the preseason and he just came off of FIBA and everything else so this is why you got to play him in the preseason but he looked great in the preseason so I don't you know in the in the limited minutes that he played so I I'm hoping it's just an off night it probably is just an off night but you know obviously this is the first night so we're like oh my god this is all we have to go off of and Jalen Brunson shot it was his final shooting line freaking six of 21 and yeah. Randall shot five of 22 that's oh my god that's so bad it's 11 of 43 overall yeah. I mean just terrible um, you know I, I, I don't anticipate that that's going to be how they're both going to play throughout the year and there were certainly flashes like Randall at least shot well from three as did Brunson you know both shot three of eight so That's something to hang your hat on. And the Knicks is a team shot really well from 3-2, which I'm sure we can talk about during more of the positives when we get into that. But on the negative side, yeah, it was just disappointing. A disappointing night from, from both those guys, from everybody in terms of the free throws. But, I mean, Randall especially was kind of the poster child, which it's usually either him or RJ that's the poster child for the free throw woes. And RJ was great in that respect in this game. Uh, Randall was not with the, the one of five performance. So he did a lot of other stuff well too, you know, like he, he was, once he realized he wasn't really cooking for like the third quarter when the Knicks were kind of making their comeback or whatever, he did look to distribute more and he ended up with seven assists. So I do give him props for that. Brunson similarly had six assists. So they were the top two assist men on the team and you got to give him props for that. Uh, but shooting the ball is just. It wasn't even that they were taking necessarily bad opportunities. It was just they were missing what for them should be gimmies, and and yeah. that's concerning.
0: And, and we should note that the Celtics are probably about as well equipped to guard those two guys as any team in the league. Like the best defensive guard duo in the NBA, in um, Drew Holiday and Derek White, and the Celtics like give Joe Mazzulla, much maligned coach, a lot of credit brilliant tactical move to put Drew holiday on Julius Randle, knowing that with Mitchell Robinson in the game, Chris Stapps Porzingis could just stay propped up in the lane and like help whenever drew was in any kind of trouble. But drew holiday honestly didn't get into trouble that much. Like he is just ridiculously strong to not get bullied by Julius Randle. Ha- has to be giving up like 60, 70 pounds in that matchup. And he held his ground over and over again. It got to the point, Alex, where Julius Randle was just scared to go at him late. Like I thought repeatedly in this game, both him and Jalen Brunson, it felt like them missing early kind of spooked them, and you saw them in the first half. But then even in the second half, both pass up open threes, which was incredibly frustrating. Like I was, I was yelling at my TV the entire night. But I, I'm with you; the process was good for both of them. Like I like the fact that Randall like kind of became more of a distributor, like set off some swing swing sequences at different points in the game, but. You just want to see him, like, be able to access that mid-post game from two, three years ago and maybe just start dropping in some short fadeaways. But the Celtics did such a good job showing both those guys multiple bodies. And to the Knicks credit, um, other guys were able to step up off of all the attention that those two were getting. So we'll talk about that in just a sec. But before we do, um, I want to tell all of our listeners at home about our friends over at Ibotta. Big holidays mean big family get-togethers, but you don't have to spend all that money on the Thanksgiving spread without getting something in return. With Ibotta, you can get your turkey and all of your favorite sides for free. Starting November 1st for the fourth year in a row, Ibotta is giving 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving feast. Just add the offers in the app to redeem for everything you need to make your Thanksgiving feast complete. All you have to do is shop at your favorite retailers and upload your receipt. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. You can also earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers, too, when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. So download the Ibotta app now and use code LOCK to get 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving dinner starting November 1st. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code LOCK. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Player App Store and use code LOCKED.
1: And today's show is also brought to you by our good friends at Prize Picks, And PrizePix is my favorite daily fantasy game. And I say that uh, with 100% certainty. I tried playing the other guys for years. You try those entries where it's like, oh, just draft this team and you get a budget. And like, in theory, it's fun, except for they pitch you against a bunch of other people And then those people have algorithms and spreadsheets and all this other stuff. They'll let them game the system and they have a ton of money to spend on a ton of entries. So then they just buy up all the entries and they make them all winning entries with their algorithm. And then you get left in the cold after basically flushing 20 bucks down the toilet or whatever. That's where prize picks comes in. Prize picks is so much better because it's not you versus other people. It's you versus the projected numbers available for various players in various sports what's cool is you can make multi-sport entries so if you want to do like this on a, on a sunday you know you have the knicks playing and you have the giants and or jets playing you can make a, a multi-player entry from multiple sports and have a little skin in the game for every single game that you're watching it's super super cool uh, and testing your skills on prize picks fo- this football season can be the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Because if you have the skills, you could turn $10 into 250 bucks in just a few taps. And with the prize picks reboot policy, your entry stay in play, even if one of your players gets injured for NFL games and college football top 25 matchups. If you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return to the second, that player is rebooted. PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with injury insurance, which is always great because injuries are never fun, both in real life and in, from a fantasy perspective. So uh, go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepix.com slash locked on NBA and use code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize it's daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, Gavin, we're back in to keep talking about this game. And you know what? I think it's time to throw a positive spin on things. Cause as much as we talked about, like couldn't make the free throws, their two best players were playing, you know, again, shot. Let's just say that stat line one more time. 11 of 43 in this game. In spite of all that, the Knicks were in this thing up until the very end. And, I think there's a variety of factors for that. I think the first one that stood out to me the most, if I want to give the whole team props for something was the defense. I mean, I just thought they were so locked in. They never let the fact that they were falling behind get to them. They never diverted from the plan, which was clearly to my eye, their plan was just keep in front of your man at all costs. Like put yourself between your man and the ball every single time down and Try to just basically play ball denial the entire game, and they did that so much. And you know, maybe the maybe the Celtics made some lackadaisical passes. Um, Emmanuel quickly, for example, got a nice Pablo Prigioni special, uh, in the yeah. backcourt, which I think Mike Breen even called out on the national ESPN broadcast, which is crazy because that's a real deep cut for a national audience. But uh, yeah, did the Pablo Prigioni special, you know, went back there and got a lazy inbounds pass. But beyond that, like most of the steals were being generated by just the Celtics go to make a pass. And then all of a sudden a Knicks guy was right there waiting for it every single time. And the rotations were super crisp. They were doing a good job of helping out on shooters. Like uh, as much as I was kind of worried during preseason about their three point defense again. And like, Oh, is this going to be, especially the, that last game against the wizards where they were just like fire away guys, we don't care. You know, in, in what was supposed to be the dress rehearsal. I, I thought, I thought in this game, they did such a great job of staying out on shooters uh, and, and, you know, rotating, making sure there was always a body on someone. This was probably one of the best overall defensive games that the Knicks have played in I don't like since 20 to 21, maybe because that wasn't exactly their calling card last year.
0: I like, mean, maybe I, maybe last year's playoffs you could
1: maybe last year's playoffs you could say. Yeah. Maybe against like like Cleveland, I guess would be a good example. But yeah, this is I mean, they seemed like they were in mid season form on defense in this game, and and that was awesome.
0: Yeah, I, I mean the anticipation was just fantastic. That's another thing we can, if we if we want to throw a positive spin on Jalen Brunson's night, he had three steals. Um, I I need to go back and watch just because I'm 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 suspicious of saying this, but I th- I thought Julius Randle's effort was really good and he looked really locked in and he had one play that was just brilliant where where the Celtics were were killing the Knicks, like using Chris Porzingis as a screener. And there was a play where he was going to roll to the rim and be wide open again. And it felt like he was back cutting Mitchell Robinson all night. And Julius just saw it coming anticipated perfectly and picked off the pass. And I was, that was like a fist pump moment because I'm I'm sure that's something that Tom Thibodeau has probably been, been showing Julius on film, like illegally clockwork orange style, just like peeling his eyes open and taping them there and making him watch it over and over again. And say, see, Julius, they're going to do this. And then Julius, like four years in, he's like, I got to coach. And then, and he made it, he made a great play on it. And we, we know he has that within him. So that was awesome. Um, I want to shout out Emmanuel quickly. We, we can start off talking on the defensive end, even though it was obviously his offense that stood out in the night. But I, I thought in the third quarter, Alex, he had a, a string of just sublime double teams on Jason Tatum. Like he, he knew exactly when Tatum turned towards the basket. And and wasn't going to be able to pick out the shooter that quickly was leaving. And and twice he helped alter Tatum's shot and rush Tatum's shot to force two big misses. And that was a key part of the stretch where the Knicks were able to eventually take their first lead of the game. But again, you got to go to the offense with Emmanuel quickly. Just a brilliant night of basketball. That was a big old F you to Leon Rose and the Knicks front office. Basically going on the court and saying, pay me. (laughs) <laughs> thing pay me. yeah he deserves all the money in the world if he keeps this up 24 points six rebounds four assists seven for 11 from the field five for seven from three five for six from the foul line he was the one person outside of rj barrett who didn't have a single issue there and and i thought he was he was just brilliant i mean the the three pointers like the celtics i i don't know how they doubted him alex after his performance last year um at td garden but They were leaving him wide open over and over again. And quickly, like early last season, he might have hesitated on some of those. He had no issues tonight. He was going for it over and over again. I thought his passing, um, him and RJ both, just made the right decision almost every single time. Like the balance between when he was shooting, when he was pushing the ball ahead, hit RJ for a huge three at one point in transition. And then that step back three late on Derek white was absolutely dirty and, and it just had all the same vibes as that Celtics game a year ago. And if this is the Emmanuel quickly, we're going to get this season. The Knicks are going to pony up and they're going to be happy about it at the end of the season.
1: Yeah. They might, uh, they might live to regret the day that they didn't sign him for 20 something million. And, you know, eventually it's sign him to annual value of like 30 million this coming off season. If yeah. he, if he keeps playing like this, because, Yeah, I'm I'm with you, man. He was he was the MVP of this game. I mean, the crazy part is is they did all this in 28 minutes. You know, like he didn't even get the most robust minute load that that you could hope for. Uh, And, you know, even so had to kind of take a little bit out of out of Quentin Grimes's or off Quentin Grimes's plate and off Josh Hart's plate a little bit just to get to that point, which kind of underscores the the minute distribution thing that's going to rear its head this year that you know he played that good and could still only find his way to 28 minutes but i mean he was he was dynamite that that step back three on on white i was being kind of reserved i was trying to like you know when they were making the run i was trying to like kind of i'm not like a huge cheerer at home and mm. uh, you know i'm not i'm not a big like like get up and you know uh celebrate and gesticulate kind of guy but that step back three on Derek white man that was like my wife yelled at me because I startled the cat and she had a cat (laughs) laying on her and she was like, come on. And I was like, it was, was, you got to see the replay. You got to see the replay. I was like, it was really good. It was really good. You know, I think I deserve a pass here. Um, But yeah, quick was just, uh, you know, defensively I think was also what stood out to me, you know, for as great as the offense was like taking on those, those assignments like a Tatum. And I mean, his man defense looked, I think as good as, it's looked ever I mean he looks so engaged he was like you know that's the one thing that he sometimes struggles with a bit is like reading exactly what a guy's going to do on in a one-on-one situation you know he's usually better as like a help defender to just make sure there's a body in front of someone and he just was like reading Tatum one of the best scorers slash players on the planet like a book and you know kind of bending him to his own will and that was phenomenally impressive to me so Maybe this is just Celtics quickly, but if this is how he starts off this year, then we're going to ha- start having some discussions pretty quick about, uh, you know, how bad did the Knicks screw up by not just securing this guy's contract. But granted, maybe maybe that serves as the fire for him and he just puts together this crazy season and the Knicks just pay him anyway. So, I don't know. Either way, though, was a, a great start to the season for Emmanuel quickly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and R.J. Barrett was similarly – fantastic in this one and uh, we are going to talk about that in just a sec but first um, I wanted to talk about our good friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook you could snap into action this NFL and NBA season with FanDuel because it's America's number one sportsbook right now new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place just a $5 bet I'm going to say that one more time because it's absolutely ridiculous. That's $200 in bonus bets, whether you win or lose. You don't even have to win, and you get $200 in bonus bets. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use as a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over, unders, and much more. Alex, we, we told people, I, I, told, I, I came on here and told people to take um, the Knicks, they were two and a half point underdogs to the Boston Celtics. They just, just missed winning money on that. So the lesson for the rest of the year is whatever I say on this show, just do the opposite and you'll make plenty of money on FanDuel. If you want to do that, visit FanDuel.com slash on and kick off both the NBA and the NFL season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. All righty. It is RJ Barrett time. Uh, 36 minutes, eight for 20 from the field. Two for five from three, six for seven from the line, 24 points, three rebounds, two assists. And you know, Alex, the the old Gavin might have come on here and said, uh, he was only 40% from the field. He has to be more efficient. The new Gavin doesn't feel that way. He feels like RJ Barrett shot it really well from three. The jumper looked as smooth as it's looked in a long time. He had one of the, I think, one of the best finishes of his career around Chris Stapps Porzingis. He made great decision after great decision. He competed on the defensive end. It was everything I could want from an R.J. Barrett game.
1: Yeah, I was going to bring up that finish around Porzingis. I mean, if he can – just to describe what happened for those that don't – that didn't see it live, but maybe you should go back and watch it now. Yeah. Uh, go on like NBA stats and click on his box score and just watch that, that, uh, that make that he did. But it was like he got inside. Porzingis was right on top of him. And fully extended, and RJ still managed to contort his body in such a way and ex- fully extend his left arm, like all the way out, and dangerous. still get enough English on the ball to make it. It was it was one of the best. I don't I don't even think it, like I don't think it's crazy to say one of the best layups of his career. Yeah, this yeah, point. that's what I'm saying. So, yeah. yeah, I mean that's like uh, crazy crazy stuff. Like it, that's one of the one of the longest defenders in the NBA in the pre Victor Wembanyama era. Um, so, you know, that's always an achievement to, to be able to do that against Kristaps Porzingis. So, uh, but beyond that, you know, the jumper did look great. He looked very confident stepping into it. Um, and I think his field goal percentage could have even been better. I mean, I guess I should give, I felt like Julius, this applied to more so than Brunson, but I'll kind of give Julius and RJ both kind of like a little bit of a pass for this part. I think they both got got thrust into some tough situations as far as uh, late shot clock, like heaves that they had to put up. And Randall had a couple of those that just didn't go well. He had some other like bunnies that he missed too. So this is by no means letting him off the hook, but Hmm. RJ also had a few where it was like the play got kind of busted up when they were trying to run a late action in the shot clock. And then he just kind of ended up with the hot potato and had to figure something out. And, you know, those didn't, didn't necessarily go in. There was one that I remember where he kind of, it was supposed to be a kick to the corner for Grimes, but then it got deflected and then he ended up with the ball again. And then he just had to kind of rush into a mid range shot, but even that looked good. Um, so the, it, there's really no complaints yeah. for me. Like, I think, I think this was, this is one of the, uh, eh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, this is without the benefit of box scores in front of me, this was probably RJ Barrett's best opening night of his career. Um, yeah. And definitely one of his first like month of the season games of his career, because he, that's yeah. traditionally when he struggles. So hopefully this is this is how he's ready to go for the rest of the year. And it would be a really good sign for the Knicks if that's the case. And if this is how international play helps him, because next year is the Olympics. So he'll get to do this again next year. Uh, and maybe the Knicks should just create a new international tournament every year to get RJ ready for this because he, he looked in midseason form in this game.
0: I thought he was yeah. fantastic. They the Leon Rose sponsor Canada invitational RJ's like, Are you sure this is a real thing? They're like, Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone's like Five ten and like they're they brought ice skates. No, 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 it's real, it's real. It's just just <laughs> hang out with them and, and run some laps. Um, but yeah, he was the the big the thing that gave me more relief than anything else. I mean, what I mean, one the jump shot just look it just looked smooth, which it didn't all it didn't necessarily all preseason and it didn't always during FIBA. So keep your fingers crossed, knock on every piece of wood in your house, but um it, it was just his process like i i thought everything he did in the playoffs which was defensive effort and and unselfishness and like anticipatory passing it was all there and if that is just who rj barrett is at this point that contract is going to age well my my constant angst over who he is as a player is going to age poorly and I, I would be very happy about that that would that would just be um amazing um for the new york knicks uh Let's see, who do we want to go to next? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on Quentin Grimes real quick because I, I thought we were, we were talking about a little bit pre-show, Alex, but I, I thought tonight brought up an interesting issue with Quinn Grimes where I, I thought he played really well for the most part. As much as he could, made things tough for Jason Tatum. Obviously, he's giving up four or five inches in that matchup, so there, there's going to be shots that Tatum just hits over him and there's not much that Grimes can do about, but he did a really good job forcing a jump ball early in the game. And then after airballing his first three, he got really hot from distance after that, hit three of his next five, from long range his lone two-point field goal of the game was an absolutely brilliant one he beat a closeout and then drew holiday like slid in and i think most people would just panic like like jason from from the horror movies like popped out of nowhere and was about to like kill you and he just threw out this lightning fast crossover like put Drew holiday in the netherworld and, and and laid it in and that was kind of the quick reaction that, that always has me, like my, my, my brain like ticking and going, huh, I wonder, I wonder if Quentin Grimes should get more time on the ball. But it was just one of those nights where like the way his shot was going in, I think in another world he could have been, I don't know, like six for 12, seven for 13 from three in this game. And I'm worried there's just going to they're, they're gonna be like night after night this season where if there isn't an injury or someone else in the rotation out, like we won't really get to see what Quentin Grimes will do. Because he's just not gonna get enough attempts. And and you were you were noting this to me um pre-Pod, and I totally agree with you. Like there were just plenty of more times that he was open and the Knicks just missed him.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was uh it, it this game was sort of an interesting case study in general for how all this guard and wing depth is gonna work this year. And you know, I think that in an ideal world, all these guys can be as good as they were tonight. I mean, this is a good opportunity to shout out the entire team. how well they shot the three in this game like for all their flaws uh, with shooting free throws uh, you step them back another 10 feet and they were great uh shooting from three they were 18 of 41 as a team
0: Alex quick perspective on it they shot 12 better from three than they did from two in this game
1: I know it's just insanity dude it's like I don't it was what bizarre world were we living in where this is how this game went down again though it gives you some hope for the fact that like if they just sort the issues out in the paint from this game, they probably win by fifteen, mm-hmm. you know. And if they sort out the free throws, they could have won by twenty, which is cool. Uh, but you still have to sort those out. But the the three point shooting, and I mean that was all. They shot forty four percent, even with their free agent acquisition that was going to help with the shooting well, it was Shooting zero for three. Like he was, uh, Divincenzo was the only guy that wasn't feeling it from three in this game. Uh, but yeah, Grimes, I I thought there were more opportunities to swing him the ball, and you know. If this were like last playoffs, for example, where nobody could hit anything and they were having to kick to Grimes so often just to like create the opportunity for Jalen Brunson to like have any amount of space, he probably would have taken 13 attempts in this game because he was shooting it so well that it was like, give him the ball more. Come on, like, let's let's find a way to kick it to Grimes in the corner or something. Like, come on, get this guy another shot. And yet then, you know, the offense just kind of running how it was. And it did lead to you know, like some Brunson attempts at times or Randall attempts or RJ attempts. And, you know, just kind of, it, it's clear that he is the, the fourth to fifth priority on that offense, depending on what the play calls for, obviously, because I think you could even argue that Mitch is sometimes arguably a higher priority on offense just by virtue of the fact that they're banking on him getting offensive rebounds and scoring that way so much as part of the offense. Uh, so it's, I hope that maybe it just leads to a little more featuring him with the bench unit and maybe trying to work him and quickly together a little more. But it seems like they want DiVincenzo to be, you know, the the foil to quickly off the bench there. But, you know, I, maybe even just put all three of them out there from time to time with Josh Hart and just see how that goes rather than we saw in this game. Tibbs clearly earmarked the R.J. Barrett early sub, R.J. Barrett first back in. With the bench, you know, as far as like the first starter to come back for his second stint, that was clearly the plan in this game. So maybe try switching that up since RJ was coexisting pretty well with his two other co-stars as far as shot volume and stuff like that. Maybe try to make Quentin Grimes that guy that can go to the second unit and get some more attempts. Uh, but it'll be it'll be a real song and dance throughout the whole year uh, as far as you know how how that's going to all end up working out. Um, then another guy I wanted to highlight was Isaiah Hartenstein. I thought he had a really awesome game, too. Uh, the The defense was great for him, the rebounding, but the goon plays mm. were like mm. what really did it for me, he man. Fun. I mean, <laughs> he did a great job. I, I thought that he was just, he was playing physical, and quite frankly, if he played for the Celtics, he would have probably gotten away with everything, uh, because Kristaps Porzingis elbowed him in the face and then had the the announcers trying to justify it for, you know, four minutes while they were reviewing it being like, well, that was justified. What's he supposed to do when someone's defending him other than elbow his defender in the face? Like, come on, come on, Doris. Come on. You know, doc, you can do better. I was, that also got me yelling at my TV during this game. I was like, shut up. What are you talking about? He elbowed him in the face. Like, and doc's like, I don't even know if it hit him. It's like, who cares? The intent was there. He swung both elbows at his face during this. I don't
0: know. Well, look, anyway. Doris follows us on Twitter, so she's she's free to respond to this whenever. Yeah, he, yeah, maybe she she'll come, see on. This. come on, defend herself. Yeah,
1: come on, Doris. Feel free to take that open invite to come on to the podcast. Um, but yeah, it was. I, I thought overall, just the the intensity that he played with. You know, he got kind of tied up with Jalen Brown at one point, and then there's the other comical thing, like got teed up for retaliating or whatever they called it after brown like yeah that was
0: he like he literally just like stunted at him like he didn't do anything I
1: yeah he turned around and was offended that a guy grabbed his jersey and presumably was trying to like kind of trip him up and like throw him to the ground or something which so brown was doing and he turned around and just kind of got in his face a little bit but then immediately backed off once like a ref and one of his teammates got in the way i don't know i i thought it was a little yeah a little stupid but he, he brought that toughness, man. And that's like what every Knicks fan always wants, you know, especially those that grew up being able to watch the nineties teams. It's like, well, more of that sort of like bulldog, like get out of my, you know, freaking paint energy. And he, he brought it in spades in this game. In addition to doing all the stuff you normally expect out of him. Uh, I will say one thing that didn't make an appearance from the preseason was him taking any threes. So I think that was sort of an experimental thing for the preseason. Seems like maybe we're just going back to, to the status quo uh, as far as what his role is going to be, and mostly just being inside trying to do sort of the Mitch thing and get your offensive rebounds and you know generate second opportunities and stuff, which he, he did. He was the top offensive rebounder on the team of five, so he did fantastic there. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was a really, really great start to the season for Hardenstein.
0: Yeah, I mean just his his ability to be like a like a ball magnet, him, him and Josh Hart, both of them like over and over and over again, like j- just little with, with Hartenstein. It, it honestly reminded me of Tyson Chandler. Like it, it wasn't even the, the offensive rebounds he got his hands on, it was the ones he tipped out. And and the Knicks were just kind of counting on like being the team that were gonna make those plays over and over again. And like look, Drew Holiday and Derek White, if if the Knicks play the Celtics, like obviously again in the regular season, potentially in the playoffs at some point, hopefully in the second round or conference finals, not the first round. Uh, fingers crossed again. Um, like those two guys are gonna compete for those plays. But overall, like the Knicks like just have more dog in them than the Celtics. Like, like look at how the Celtics shot in this game. They shot 48% from the field, they only shot 31% from three, but they shot 84%. At the line, and, and then we talk about the Knicks shooting 54% of their free throws, 32% from two-point range, and you're looking at a blowout, except for the fact that the Knicks took 20 more shots than the Celtics in this game, and that came down to the fact that they only had nine turnovers, they had um, 17 offensive rebounds to the Celtics' seven. Like, like this was the classic formula for the New York Knicks. And Alex, pre, this is like, and we could, this could be a whole podcast episode. So we'll, we we'll, we'll maybe save it for tomorrow or, or, or distant offseason in the future. But I, I, was, I came like on here, I was saying, like, man, imagine if the Knicks had Chris Stapps Porzingis, who dropped 30 points, eight rebounds, four blocks on just 15 shots on the New York Knicks, nine to 10 from the free throw line, five for nine from three. Like, it's, it's hard to argue, despite how good Jason Tatum was, despite how good Emmanuel Quickly was, that he was not the best player on the floor in this game. And he, and he was gettable. For the New York Knicks this offseason. And 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 you push back. And I think this is a totally fair argument that inherently, if you get someone like Porzingis, the offense is going to be supercharged. The defense should still be pretty good because of his rim protection, but you lose the identity of the team. And that's that incredible toughness. To me, that would be an okay trade-off because presumably you still have Isaiah Hartenstein in the roster and you can still flip to that identity when you want to. You could potentially play two bigs if you want to go that direction. Um, but it's an interesting conversation because the Celtics like played around that new identity. They had five out. They had four guys who could make all-star teams. Derek White, borderline being that good as well. And yet the Knicks, just by bruising and bullying and being you-know-what holes the entire night, almost won this game.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's where I kind of like the idea of Porzingis is great and could be awesome on this team. Um, or could have been awesome on this team. That said, you know, you kind of saw the Achilles heel, which is like for as much as he gave them on one end, uh, just having him as your, your one true big out there, which is seems to be just what the Celtics are going to do this year. And also him playing 38 minutes a game, not going to be sustainable for an entire season. I think we've seen that movie enough times to know that that's not the case either, but yeah, it's – uh, I, I think I'm all right with where the Knicks are at. Um, that said, you know, he was probably treating this like a big game because I'm pretty sure he got traded away, what, five years ago now? And this has to yeah. be only the second or third time he's ever been healthy to actually appear at the Garden. So this is probably a long-awaited revenge game uh, if I may get one little one little salty shot in there sure. before yeah.
0: we – No, it wouldn't, wouldn't be locked on Knicks if we didn't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> before we sign up. But anyway – Uh, yeah, Gavin, I think I'm good, dude. I think I'm, I think I'm good to sign off on this game. I mean, lots to, lots to be encouraged about. Obviously a couple little things that really need to get tightened up, especially that free throw shooting, but. I thought this was a solid uh, solid opener for the Knicks, and I'm looking forward to the next game.
0: Look, the, the Celtics are going to get a lot better. I think I think the Knicks showed they have plenty of room to improve. Namely, they're two all-stars playing like it. Um, but if that happens and, and everything keeps going this way, the Knicks are going to be one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. Once again, an exciting opening night. He's Alex. I'm Gavin. We'll be back with plenty of more Knicks coverage, including um, Friday night uh, talking that Atlanta Hawks game. But until then, uh, we'll talk to you soon on Locked on Knicks. Hi, sweet. Good episode. Um, I c- I can get this up for